Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Welcome, everyone. I am your damn guide, Arnie. Now, I'm about to take you through a fully functioning power plant. So please, no one wander off the damn tour. And please take all the damn pictures you want. Now, are there any damn questions? Yeah, we're going to get some damn bait. Michael Preston. Still going strong here with the second part. I, guess, I We could call it going strong if you've done two shows of an unpromised number of shows as everybody continues uh, to work from home and to be uh, having their rot- routine thrown off. Have be having their routine thrown off. Whatever. I'm keeping it in here. Thrown off, thrown off, whatever. Look, I'm keeping it all in here because once again, I am real. But welcome back to the Kook Center Hour, our special editions of my favorite WSU memory, my favorite WSU event. We're kind of going around everybody that uh, we know at the website, seeing if they'd like to participate with us and seeing what they would like to offer as their favorite event that they've ever been to uh, at Washington State. It can be football, it can be basketball, it can be soccer. If you if you went to the College Cup uh, last year, that'd be an awful lot of fun. Uh, for this edition, uh, we brought in our own PJ Kendall. Uh, PJ's in the Air Force, based in Germany. Uh, so he gets to as many coup games as he can. And as a matter of fact... Uh, one of my favorite games, uh, one I would have talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, if USC hadn't been, uh, you know, right at the top of my list that we started this series with, uh, was the 2018 game against Oregon. Uh, just just for everything that that game meant to everybody who's a Coug and everybody who loves Pullman and everybody who loves Washington State University, everything it represented and everything that was good about it and wonderful about it. Um, but you know, I mean, just, it, it was just this perfect day end to end. I still have actually in my phone, I still have the alarms saved from that day. I have not deleted them out of my phone, despite the fact that I have not needed to wake up at three 20 in the morning for anything since that day. So it, it holds a special place in all of our memories. And I, and as I'll say during PJ and I's talk is that it, it was almost kind of weird because you get to the end of game day and it's like, oh, right, there's a football game that they have to play today. They're going to play a football game later on today. And it's a pretty doggone important football game uh, that they're going to play later on today because at the time, I mean, it was really for supremacy in the Pac-12 North. And even though Washington State wouldn't win it that year, it really was, it, it is, I, I think it's the signature win of the season. Uh, we can count the Alamo Bowl. 
um, because, you know, it was the school record 11th win. But I think for a lot of people involved, it was just it was just a day of nonstop joy and happiness. There was literally nothing that didn't make you happy all day. Even my decision, on my wife and I's decision to not take a nap, we went up to the tailgate and I realized at about 11.30 that if I didn't get some whiskey in me, I was either going to have a very miserable afternoon or a wonderful afternoon. So I drank some Eagle Rare and we got back on the horse and uh, we were out of Valhalla till 1 o'clock that night, uh, despite only getting three and a half hours of sleep. That was kind of the emotional ride uh, everybody went on. And PJ came an awful long way to go to this football game, uh, just to go to this football game, just to be there for game day. So for him, the importance of it and what it meant to him uh, is pretty special. So we'll play the fight song. We'll come back. We'll talk to PJ Kendall, our own writer here at Kook Center, about the 2018 football game against Oregon. Our continuing uh, COVID-19 series of being stuck in homes and not getting to go anywhere, but wanting to give you happy memories. My favorite WSU event memory, whatever we're calling this part two, we bring in our own PJ Kendall. Uh, PJ, uh, just to give the folks some background who may not know, you are in the United States Air Force and you are based uh, in Germany where uh, salons are still allowed to be open for some reason as of this recording, although we know that can change rapidly, but... Other weird stuff isn't allowed to be open, and it seems like the Germans, for as efficient as they normally are, are uh, not being very efficient with this. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, one of the, one of the bigger myths of uh, of our time is the idea of German efficiency. Uh, we have a, a door at work uh, that they were working on that was supposed to be fixed two weeks ago, and it's still still closed. So, uh, okay, so uh, yeah, con- construction construction jobs are the same over there as they are here. Then, okay, I got you. <laughs> so the, the exact same. <laughs> Uh, so the, yeah, the game we wanted to talk about here today was, uh, the 2018 game against, uh, the Oregon Ducks and of course, and all, all the things that went along with that, because it wasn't just a football game either that was so incredible, uh, that weekend. Um, you, I know at the time you were based in Germany, but we were talking right before this, you basically, you're on your way back to the States actually for a few weeks to work over here. And you found out as you landed that game day was going to come to Pullman for that football game. Yeah, the funny thing was, so I landed, uh, I landed in Houston and watched a little bit of the uh, Washington Oregon game. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my German cell phone is basically a brick once I get to the states, unless I'm on Wi-Fi somewhere. So uh, we got to the little uh, puddle jumper regional jet to fly to to uh, Fort Walton Beach. And uh, right as we were pushing off, the Washington kicker was lining up for the game-winning kick to beat Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that signal cut out. So I sat there on the plane kind of wondering what was going to happen. Got got to, 
to Fort Walton Beach, found out the Huskies uh, had lost to Oregon. And then, uh, you know, chatting with you guys on our, our Slack chat, I think that's how I originally found out game day was coming. So I made sure to go uh, to Twitter and uh, watch Kirk Herbstreet's uh, announcement video, I don't know, 49, 50 times, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so week seven, complete chaos in college football. So you start to look at the drawing board where college game day should go for week eight. And there's really no debate. It's been a long time. 15-year anniversary is this Saturday for that beautiful flag, Old Crimson, that's been traveling around College Game Day. There's only one place for College Game Day to go. Oregon at Washington State. We will see you in Pullman. Yeah, no, I I, I can remember uh, being in, I think I found out I was in Las Vegas, completely sober, mind you, uh, at the time that they announced that. And what what was that feeling like? Because I know... I know that you and I were at least kind of similar in that, you know, we didn't necessarily believe it was ever going to happen, you know, after all those years of waving the flag and everything else. And, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of at least personally told myself, you know, like, ah, I don't really care if it ever comes to Pullman. But then when it happened, I was like, wow, I really freaking care that this game to Pullman or is going to be in Pullman next weekend. Right. And I, I, uh, I figured, you know, as soon as I moved overseas would be the time that this would actually yeah. happen. I'd have a very difficult time getting back. So um, the first thing I did was uh, it was a five-week formal course. So it's not like you could just, you know, take a couple of days off like you normally can. Mm-hmm. So I had to have some sort of, had to have some sort of scheme to where, to where I'd uh, get my instructor to let me leave on Friday, um, you know, before class was out. So I waited till uh, Sunday night. Uh, to buy a ticket just so I'd be within that 24-hour window if they yep. told me to pound sand when I asked. Um, but uh, he was like, okay, I'm not sure what I told him. I definitely did not tell him I wanted to go take some leave to watch a football game. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure what I, I told him. Uh, but he, he let me go, and so I left uh, left uh, Florida for Spokane about uh, 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. No, I want, to be, I want to be clear. Do you think it would have gone any better had you told him that you were leaving for a TV show and not a football game? Yeah, he would have been totally fine with that. Maybe if it was Jeopardy or something. Yeah, the, those Air Force guys and those military guys very typically uh, well known for their flexibility when it comes to uh, that kind of thing. Uh, okay, so this, so I mean, a just the the fortunate fact that you were even stateside at the time for you know, I mean, I mean, just serendipitously stateside at the time for this. Um, you flew into Spokane Friday night, and you have family in Spokane, right? So you get to stay with them, and you you do have season tickets. Um, that you, you got to use rarely enough when you were living here. Um, but kind of describe for me why you kept renewing those season tickets despite, you know, kind of being so far away and, and, uh, and what kind of on a year to year basis leads you to do that. I know you're in Germany now, it might be a little different, but even when you were just stateside, why you did that? Well, you know, it's like David Putty once said in Seinfeld, you know, you got to support the team. Uh, so that's, uh, that's <laughs> what I figured I needed to do. Uh, my brother lived in Pullman uh, for quite a while, and he had four season tickets, so I mm-hmm. just figured it was actually, I finally decided to buy him when I lived in New Mexico. Uh, uh, before Leach was even hired, I kind of figured I should do something to help, so uh, I tried to get back, and I was able to get back for about one game a year, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, that Friday, that, <laughs> even flying there was, was fraught with peril, because uh, we got to Dallas, it, I was supposed to get to Spokane at like, I don't know, seven. I think I got to Spokane at like 11 after a mm. hopelessly delayed flight uh, in DFW. Uh, and being a, a 
an air crew guy immediately zeroed in on the flight attendant and said, how much crew day do you guys have left? And she was like, oh, we got plenty. So, so luckily we got there. Um, I was going to rent a car, but uh, I just decided to, to take Uber down. I got to Pullman, God, well after midnight. It was, so wait, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you took, <laughs> so you got into Spokane and you took an Uber down to Pullman. Someone was willing to Uber you down to Pullman at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, very, very lovely lady who, who drove a minivan and uh, had uh, about a 68-ounce uh, soda. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very nice lady. Oh my God. Okay, so you got you roll into Pullman about midnight, and, I mean, game day's, let's, let's call it generously, six hours away from kicking off at this point. What are you doing for six hours? So did you just go straight to your brother's place in Pullman, or did you, what happened once you got down there? Yeah, so the nice lady uh, dropped me off at my brother's house, um, and uh, of course, uh, mom, being a mom, uh, waited up for me. Yes, she of the did. Hour. Yeah. Um, so, so my plan was, I knew they were getting uh, my brother, my uh, his son, my nephew, and uh, and my dad were getting up around three ish to go down there. Mm-hmm. So my plan was just I was gonna sleep in, and my brother didn't know I was coming, and so my. I planned to surprise him, but I, I was also going to do that at game day because I wanted to sleep till like five. Yeah. Uh, so around three or three thirty, of course, my my nephew just decided it was time to get up, and everybody needed to get up. So, you know, at that point, I was like, "Well, I can sleep for another hour and a half, or I can just suck it up and go." And so we uh, we, we piled in the car around four o'clock and uh, and drove down. It was uh, something else. What I, you know, I've I've asked so many people over the the last couple of years, or I guess year and a half since uh, that morning. I know I I think we got up at the hotel at about three thirty in the morning, and walked up from there after you know maybe three hours of very unsober sleep. What you know, I, you know, like I said earlier, I think for me it was, excuse me, not this. You know this, you know great. This was not my white whale. This was so many other people's. Moby Dick, uh, but what what did that morning mean to you to be able to be there and to just be in that crowd? Because I, I don't think to this day I've ever kind of felt anything quite as electric before the sun came up for like an hour and a half. Yeah, the, the one thing that will always stick out to me was we, we got out of the car, uh, somebody dropped us off at uh, right there at the corner of right by Beasley. Yeah. And walking down that slight uh, uh, hill there, I heard this just tremendous roar. And I thought, I honestly got thought they were showing like a highlight video. Yeah. That was where the, the highlight video was a lot of crowd noise or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really. <laughs> It was like four o'clock in the morning, two hours before game day was going to start. And the crowd was just, I mean, full throat already. And uh, that that's the one thing that will always stick out to me, um, you know, like I said before, like you said, before the sun was up, uh, two hours before the show even starts at six a.m., and people are all just, you know, unbelievably ready to go. Yeah, I, I think we all knew the moment was coming when Lee Corso put Butch's head on. But just how 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 was that for you? Just describe for me. I mean, you know, I knew he was going to do it. You knew they were going to do it after ten years of build up to you know to be here. But how cool was that? Still, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty great that you know of course it was great too because uh her streak did the heel turn and picked the ducks mm-hmm. uh, so that made it even a little more dramatic when you know Corso likes to do the heel turn quite a bit and egg the crowd on and make you think he's gonna pick your team and then he pulls out the you know the opposing team's headgear but uh yeah i mean just to see 
<laughs> Lee Corso after all these years put on put on Butch's head was was something else. I've been doing game day for 32 years. I put on 56 different mascot heads. And I've come from Orlando, Florida, 2,852 miles to get here. And let me tell you something, it would take something special for me to pick against my beloved ducks. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a special place and a special time. Give me that duck <laughs> After that, I know kind of everybody made like a choice, right? So like everybody made, you know, okay, do I nap? Do I get an energy drink or coffee or something? And do I lunch? What what do I do? I know that we went to the Cub, got a little food, got some coffee. My mood improved after that. What did you do immediately after? Because I know eventually I ran into you in the tailgates, not expecting to see you there. Um, but I, I was literally walking like tiptoeing around people who had <laughs> we're just like literally just napping in the middle of parking lots what did you do uh immediately after that well i did i think i i would i did what i assume uh, most people did uh right after game day i went to my niece's soccer game yeah uh downtown the youth center <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah totally <laughs> yeah pretty just you know not quite the same noise level as game day but uh not far off everybody excited um, still yeah and you know being being a, an older man and uh, not having slept much, I, uh, I had hoped to get a, uh, a decent nap in, uh, but uh, instead my brother and I drove over to the co-op in Moscow and got a bunch of beer and uh, just kind of settled in and, and watched some football uh, until it was time to time to tailgate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the game, uh, and I, I think you know it. Given all the emotion. All week, it, it you know, and I I guess for me, I almost I almost forgot there was a football game, right? Like I, I almost forgot there was a football game to go to. But Gardner Minshew throws an interception on that first drive, and your seats are down. Uh, they were right behind ours, actually, uh, the row behind ours. Um, have you ever heard, or a rare occasion that you've heard the stadium as loud as it was when Oregon had the football the first time? No, um, and I was at the I was at the 2017 game against USC. Uh, you should do a podcast about that one. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I should. That'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so those were probably two, the two loudest, and that's that's mostly due to the uh, the office building being there and all the sound just kind of getting trapped. Um, but yeah, and then they had those. Like the one false start and then the other false start because, of course, you know, after we turned the ball over, you know, the air could have been let out of the stadium, but instead it <laughs> unbelievably went the other way. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to amp people up even more, especially because Oregon was backed up as far as they were. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then Oregon gets those false starts, and, I mean, I think they had, like, negative yardage for almost the entire quarter. Mm-hmm. No, no, they did. I, I, I Heck, it, it was almost at the end of the half, if, if memory serves me. Um, Wazoo struggled with the ball a little bit, but the swinging gate comes back and I was horrified by it because it it really almost didn't work right off the bat. 
until it did with James Williams, and and I think that is that that is a play that is so stuck in my mind because you know you know how you always think of like you know when someone pulls up for a bad shot in basketball or reverses course on a punt it's no 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 yes 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 is that also what you were thinking while that whole thing was going on well, yeah well for one thing i mean that that whole i think leach ended up calling it big gulp formation or whatever mm-hmm. i mean it, it seemed like it ran its course so uh, by then, when they lined up in it, I was just like, all right, well, let's try not to lose any yards here. And, uh, well, then, I mean, it, the, the way it was blocked, or, yeah. well, I should No, it wasn't blocked, blocked. yeah, it wasn't yards, blocked. Because nobody actually blocked anybody. Yeah. Um, then he, he breaks, like, uh, you know, seven or eight tackles, and the next thing you know, it's, uh, you get the air booby call from Tim Brando, um, which, uh, you know, we all got to see later on, watching the recording over and over Look where the ball is. Little swing in the gate. Little swing in the gate, Timmy. And there it goes. Booby Williams trying to get outside. It does. Stays with it. Booby. He is there, Booby. Touchdown. I don't believe what I just saw. So, yeah, that was pretty incredible and of course uh, i was watching some highlights uh, a little bit earlier today and in, in, in true pac-12 ref fashion uh, both of our touchdowns were reviewed our first two no of course they were we 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 have to do that i mean i mean it's just it's it's impossible to not do it uh max borgie scores another great you know he scores a great touchdown to end the half i think james williams scored again i can't even remember the other one but by the end of the first half it's 27 to nothing and i think uh, a lot of us went out at halftime and kind of felt really good like this is just the cinderella ending to an incredible day it's only halftime but nothing can possibly go wrong until it did go wrong uh how were you feeling in the third quarter uh, i'm sorry michael did you see you're a cougar fan yeah <laughs> <laughs> nothing can go wrong no well yeah um, you know so uh well yeah so just it was uh, Booby, and then it was uh, Renard who scored, and they didn't call it a touchdown, and they did call it a touchdown. And That's then, right, uh, yeah. We got the big, made the ESOP, and then uh, got the ball right back, and uh, Max Borgie made Troy, Troy die start sobbing on the sideline. Mm-hmm. So um, going into halftime, yeah, it's, and it's one of those college football halftimes where it just seems to take forever. Yeah. And uh, so waiting for the second half, and then, of course, uh, I was, you know, I've been to games like. Uh, uh, 2005 against UCLA when it seemed like we were ahead by, by some ungodly amount of points and ended up losing that game. Uh, 97 against UCLA, um, you know, get way ahead and then have to hang on and get a miracle at the end. So, uh, you know, as a fan of any team, I think you kind of, you know, unless you're like a Patriots fan or something, you kind of wait for the, that second shoot to drop. And as a Cougar fan, that mm-hmm. always kind of seems to be in the back of your mind. So, of course, you know, we come out and we're not really – you're moving the ball a little bit, but just couldn't couldn't generate more than a couple first downs, and, and Oregon wasn't going to be held there forever. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it got uh, it got to butt pucker time pretty quickly there. I know that uh, I kind of got the feeling as that fourth quarter went on, you know, increasingly desperate, kind of like sitting there and pulling on what little beard hair I do have, and just overly stressed out. Um, but it, for like whatever reason, I just had this very calming sensation because 
Gardner Minshew was in charge. And to that point, the legend of Gardner Minshew had not fully been born, but by the end of the night, it would be. Did you at least kind of get that sense? Because I, I don't think we'd really had that for a couple of, not since sophomore year, Luke Falk, had I kind of just felt like, you know what? This is probably going to be fine. Yeah, well, it was the difference between Minshew in 18 and Falk in 17 was just night and day. Cause with Falk, he knew he had the ability. It was just all in his head. Yeah. And with Minshew, I mean, he, he had a pretty good arm. I mean, he's shown that in the NFL. But mm-hmm. you knew he had the attitude to, like, no matter what was happening in the game, um, the players, his teammates, and the coaches were not going to lose faith in him. And obviously, you know, if, if you know the players and the coaches have faith in him, it's hard to lose faith in the kid as a fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, by the end of the game, especially when they, you know, he had the bloody hand and he's being carried off and, and all that, and even the – you know those those clutch plays, uh, that first one, which really probably should have been intercepted. Uh, that uh, Javale Harris just stole from that Oregon defensive yep. back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were only up seven points. If Oregon gets the ball there, they they've scored on several you know possessions in the second half. Uh, and then you know once again the Cougs go for the throw it fourth and six, uh, throw that out route that sideline route to Harris yep. again for, to convert the first down, and you know that leads to the the clinching touchdown. But uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was, <laughs> I was pretty worried uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter. But uh, you know, the defense actually made two huge stops. Oregon got down inside the ten at least once, maybe twice, and the defense at least bowed up and held them to field goals. Mm-hmm. Or yep. else it could have been a completely different story down the stretch. Yeah, let's talk about that play because again, you and I are on roughly the, you know, right right next to each other uh, for this game, and that that. That touchdown scored on our end of the field. And I know that when Gardner Minshew let go of that ball, I looked to see where it was going. And it was Desmond Patman waiting for it on the other end. And what is there any like one thing in particular about that play that kind of sticks out to you 18 months later? Uh, you know, thinking about, you know, I know you replayed it, you know, both on YouTube and in your mind over and over again. Is there anything like in particular that really sticks out about that play or what happened immediately after he came down with the football? Yeah. Oh God, don't drop it. <laughs> that was the, um, so yeah, I mean, that's one of the advantages of being there where, you know, obviously, you know, watching on TV is great, but when you're there, you can kind of see those plays come open to where the camera angles are so tight on TV. Sometimes you just you can't really pick it up. Yeah. And so I mean, anybody who was paying attention could see that he had beat his man. And uh, so then, I mean, it wasn't an easy catch to make. He had to go up and get it, and then get down and get his get a, a foot in. And then he hit the ground pretty hard too. Um, so yeah, just as soon as you know, he saw the ref's hands go up and look around and hope there wasn't going to be another replay review. Um, you know, it was just. I mean, if it was loud when Oregon had the ball in the first quarter, it was, you know, probably not even comparable to when that happened. Minshew, you got it. To the end zone, touchdown! Desmond Patman, party on! Had to make plays. Uh, they hold on. They Oregon kind of drives the field a little bit towards the end, and I think it was uh, 
who was it that broke up? Uh, it was Jalen Thompson broke oh. up that last pass. Yeah. Game's over. Everybody yeah. rushes the field. A, did you rush the field? And then B, what what did you guys do immediately after? Where like where did you go to release all that nervous energy right after? Well, I had a plan to catch. Oh. Uh, but, um, I uh, oh so in USC at the USC game, um, my my brother and I I can't remember if my dad went down there, but my brother and I and my one of my older my oldest son and my nephew went down but on this one it was like yeah i, th- I think it was probably about eight o'clock at that time and mm-hmm. and uh you know the bus the bus for the airport was leaving about three thirty. so Oof. uh we just went back and uh definitely had some victory shots uh, back at my brother's house um and then uh like i said i, I was up by you know three fifteen, three thirty. i don't even think i was in pullman for more than like 36 hours no yeah no, i know i'm i'm, I'm trying to do the math i think it's like 27 or 28 hours right now if i'm if i'm doing my calm major math in my head correctly yeah. luckily i didn't have to take an uber back uh, to the airport my my parents were nice enough to uh to drop me off mm-hmm. um, so yeah that worked out because originally like i said i wanted to run a car and drive down because i knew i was going to have to leave the house really really early to get back and catch yeah. my flight i think my flight left at like six or something so, you got uh, you got Quite a treat, though. Mom, you know, we're not going to argue over this. I'm running a car, so then my mom argued with me for the next five days. <laughs> on a car. Uh, everybody's mother does so, that, though. Doesn't everybody's mother do I that? Know. Like they just—it's. I don't, I don't know what it is about moms. Yeah. Well, yeah. You you, you wait till you see uh, a mom who lives with you in action, and uh, you know, once again, that will be reinforced. Yeah. Um, so no matter how old you get, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you got quite a treat on the plane ride home, uh, or not not home, but back to back to Florida. Though you got to meet and talk to Tim Brando. In fact, if I'm remembering right, you sat right next to him for the first leg of your journey back to Florida. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you know, you really wouldn't think it could get any better on this weekend. Yeah. But, uh, and of course, this was after I'd seen the highlights. You know, seen his calls and everything mm-hmm. with uh, you know Air Booby and. Pat, Desmond Patman party on and, and all those great calls he had during the game. Um, so yeah, I sat right across from mile from him and, uh, I'd heard his radio show got a long time ago, back in like the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in SEC country, they have, you know, it's, it's college football three sixty five, And so he had a radio show and he'd always refer to his house as the chateau. So I'm sitting there going, what do I say to Tim Brando? You know, I didn't <laughs> want to re- be a real big fanboy, So I just yeah. said, Hey, are you heading back to the chateau? And, uh, because he lives just outside of Shreveport, and so he started laughing. And, uh, yeah, we talked for quite a while. Um, you know, he, he was high, really high on Minshew. That's the one thing that stuck out to me was, mm-hmm. you know, he said, he was the first guy I heard say, this kid can play in the NFL. And so, you know, he seemed to see it a lot before a lot of us did. Thank you again for helping out with this. I know everybody's got a favorite memory, and for me, that weekend just so sticks out for everything, not the least of which I was supposed to start a new job on Monday, and I'd taken like a week off between the old one and the new one with the full intention of just relaxing and then maybe heading to Pullman on Thursday night, and there was no such thing as relaxing all week, given how anxious and ready to go I think we all were. So uh, thank you again uh, for doing all the way from Germany, by the way, where you can still get your hair cut, luckily. Yes, essential services.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.